0: Good afternoon Screen Rats. We have a great guest for you this week. Uh, this week I'm talking to Mark Trevoro. Now you may not recognise that name but you will definitely know who he plays and who he has played for nearly 40 years. That is the Australian comedian Bob Down. Yep the King of Polyester, the great singing sensation from the 90s and beyond is on here to talk to me on Television Times podcast and I could not be more excited. I should also mention that Mark also performs as himself and has done for over two decades and is very successful in that regard. But uh, for me obviously I first became aware of him due to the prominence of Bob Down and I loved that character, I loved everything he did, it was so funny. I mean it was for me the epitome of the 90s and I, I know he created the character in the 80s but that was the time like in the UK when you could not escape him. You know, he was everywhere. And uh, I was lucky enough to see uh, him perform in 1999 in the Sydney Opera House, which we talk about. And I, I will tell you here before I even talk to him, I have never seen anything that funny. Nothing. And I've seen some fucking brilliant comedy in my life, but nothing made me laugh from start to finish as much as that. Maybe John Kearns recently, but n- no one else. It's only Bob Down, and uh, it, it's just <laughs> we talk about it, and you know, it's just a, a silly show, but. It was just so fucking funny. And you just you just having a great time. So obviously getting to talk to Bob, um, Mark. <laughs> see, I'm getting confused already, was an absolute privilege. And and you know, I was just fucking so excited to talk to him. Do you know what I mean? Uh the audio quality isn't perfect, his end. Uh there was some issues, some little clicking noises and stuff and a bit of noise in the background. But you know, you get the gist of it. Sometimes we have these remote records, and I don't live in Australia, so what else can I do? I also had to chop this one up with uh, little beeps here and there to sort of change the subject matter, just because I had to cut certain things, you know, if I could let you hear what we really talked about half the time, I wish I could, because, you know, I had to throw a lot of stuff away that was just absolutely brilliant. But, you know, he doesn't want a lawsuit, neither do I, and uh, I'm sure you don't want to hear us talk politics for 10 minutes, which you did at the end. Uh, so that's all been removed for your listening pleasure. I should also mention that this week, I won't be putting in an outro track by myself, but at the end of the interview, listen out, because we get a special appearance by Bob himself, and he introduced produces Je T'aime, the duet he did with Julian Clary back in the day, uh, which uh, I was given exclusive permission to use. So there we are. So a nice little treat for you there. It is absolutely filthy. So do not listen if you're of a certain disposition. And uh, uh, that's all for me. So let's uh, just get straight into the interview. Here we go. This is me talking to the brilliant Mark Trivaro, otherwise known as Bob Down.
1: Australia.
0: Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a weekly podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis-Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms, from my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry, here on Television Times. Nice to meet you. You too. (laughs) I've just been watching so many of your old clips just to kind of uh, get in the mood for this
2: chat. Lovely. And I've been
0: laughing my head off. Uh I cannot believe how well it all holds up, man. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it
2: does, doesn't it? It really does. I think the thing that makes Bob uh, works is that it was Mm. retro to begin with. Yeah. So it doesn't date. Isn't that ironic and and sort of counterintuitive? Yeah, it's like it's a double thing. You go back to the
0: time of the, say, the '90s clips. I was just looking yeah. at um, with you and Barrymore. But your reference, yeah. like, oh, you know, god, the dances from
2: 1961 to 1965 is just so funny. Just that line. It's yeah, just like- <laughs> my, my dear friend, have you? Do you know a guy called Mark O'Connell? He's he's written the um, Catching Bullets book about growing up with Bond. He's no, a, sort of the James Bond guy that they go okay. to on the radio and on television. Right. His grandfather was Cubby Broccoli's. Um, chauffeur and so he grew up as from early childhood surrounded by bond 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 and he had his wedding at pinewood wow and i sang i did the peppermint twist but and sang it as the pinewood twist based on that joke
0: oh wow that's amazing I have a slight Pinewood story, not, not as great as that, but um, I wrote a song. I'm also used to be a musician. I'm a musician. Um, and I wrote a song that I wanted to get to Barbara Broccoli for Bond. Right. So I got on my motorbike about 15 years ago, dressed up as a courier, found out that was clever. a production that was on. Uh, I think it was That's one of the Captain America's. What a great in. way
2: to get stuff. <laughs> what a great way to get stuff to someone. That's brilliant. Just a blag, just a blag. But, of course, the thing to do is to find out in those situations, you find out who the music supervisor is on the film. Mm, yeah. Because the producer's not going to be bothered with that sort of detail.
0: Yeah, I know. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just being silly. Well you were young,
2: <laughs> you were hopeful. Yeah, I had a motorbike and, and, and naive. And you had a motorbike.
0: Yeah, I mean looking at all these clips, I I mean obviously, you know, as I said, I saw you on now I know the name of the tour, so it would have been million sellers. Yes. And it was at Sydney Opera House, uh, one of the... Yeah, 99, I think, 99. 99. 99. Like I said, I don't mean it in a bad way, but I don't remember anything about the show. All I remember is laughing from beginning to end. I don't remember
2: (laughs) anything either. It's a load of old rubbish.
0: Because you had a show called Bob Down All Over Britain. Yep. I must have seen it, but I can't find any clips of that one.
2: Yeah, right. It, it was on a, uh, one of the early digital channels called UK Play. Yeah. They had all these little extra digital channels they created to encourage people to to buy a digital aerial.
0: Yeah, I remember and, that.
2: And a, and a set-top box. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was what that was. And do um, right, right. Where did you go on that one? Uh, all over Britain. All it over. It was insane. And um, just did lots of little funny sketches that we kind of just improvised as we went along. It's weird. I've got a fan recorded the entire, all the episodes for me on onto VHS, but it's a half speed VHS tape. <laughs> all right. And I'm not sure how you would digitise that. Anyway, there's a lot of fun stuff on it. It was a really challenging, because uh, we were on the road in a van, all driving all over Britain, and, and we yeah. shot a lot of it in winter, which all was right. insane. What year would this be? Is this about
0: 96 or something? Is is that what it is? Uh,
2: I think it might even be earlier. Earlier, When did they start doing digital broadcasts? Sort of sometime in the 90s, wasn't it? I didn't really
0: know it was that early. I thought it was about 2000, but yeah, if it was earlier. No, 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 because I I
2: was home by 2000. I'd come home. I think it was around 94, 95. And it was just me and a crew and um, it was, uh, we were all a bit demented. Because we were just working so hard to get to get what we needed to shoot, yeah. Each day, and there was a huge amount of travelling in between, on unbelievably congested motorways. Yes, in every direction.
0: <laughs> was it well organised, or were you doing like Aberdeen to Torquay and Torquay to Ipswich? No, 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 no.
2: We did do we did we did hop around, but right. we did hop around the aisles so that, mm. that worked. Um, but there was one day that I remember we were shooting links and we were on the um, Scottish-English border Mm -hmm. and we were on an A route so it wasn't a very big road but there were huge, it was raining and there were huge lorries zooming past us, covering us all in muddy spray. (laughs) And all I had to do, all I had to do, I was standing next to the sign, you know, like, welcome to... England or welcome to Scotland, whichever direction we were pointing in. And all I had to do, I was jumping back and forward across what I thought was the border and I was going, all I had to do was go, England, Scotland, Scotland, England. I guess I'm just one each way. That's all I had to say. I could not get through it. it, it. The absurdity of the whole situation just hit me and I could not stop laughing. I couldn't even really? get through a single take without <laughs> laughing. And the crew were all covered in cagoules, all sh- yeah. trying to get the, keep the gear dry and yeah. getting more and more furious with me. And as they got more and more furious with me, I laughed more and more. That's Just my laughing. That is a key memory, a key memory of shooting Bob down all over Britain. Oh, and That's keeping amazing. that fucking goldfish alive. That was a nightmare. <laughs> Because there was a goldfish called Reg who they then voiced back at the lab. It was a cute show. It was very intense and it was one of those work experiences where you learnt a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, because you were on the road, just you and the crew and it was just all improvised. And -hmm. then there was a few episodes that we actually did at the BBC where we were just in empty studios, which I remember loving, like the studio that Top of the Pops had actually been made you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, So I saw at, um, is it White City? Yeah, White City, the old BBC, The old BBC, w twelve eight qt
0: yeah, but it's gone <clears throat> Yes, well it's I think it's what a the hell? It apartments
2: or a hotel or something I don't remember I can't I
0: yeah, just yeah. think
2: that's outrageous it is outrageous why did it's, why did they move it to Manchester? what's wrong with them
0: <laughs> well they 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 turned the old radio building on Upper Regent Street that's yes, um, right into the main BBC and then they moved everything to Salford and built a and city. they
2: closed off that they they built a sort of a glass box. Yes, are joining the old radio building. I live just around the corner from there in um, in Middleton Buildings, just literally uh, a, a, about a block back from all that. That was my favourite place to live ever in London.
0: Yeah, right close to the parks and everything. That's how I used oh, to. Oh, it was gorgeous. When I lived in North London, I loved the idea that you could walk from Camden to the West End just through parks. Yes. I do, I do think London is a beautiful city for that reason. It's
2: incredible. Incredible. Beep, beep. Do you tour as Bob around Europe as well? Never. Yeah, but- I've never played there. There was a Berlin producer uh, that runs one of the Spiegel tent, you know, the permanent Spiegel tent Mm -hmm. venues in Berlin and he saw me in Edinburgh one year and was very keen on the idea of me going and playing Berlin but I sort of chickened out. I think that's perfect But it's to do with I just wonder how, you know, because I talk so fast and it's not a familiar accent to them, I just wonder how much they would actually understand it. But it's a very visual act, isn't it? It, It's a physical comedy act as much as it's a verbal act. Well, that's what
0: I was going to say. It's like uh, looking back, and uh, obviously I've been looking at n- new clips and interviews and stuff like that, but I've been looking back at things I would have seen in the 90s on television over here. And that massive expl- – like, I didn't realise how long you had been, Bob Down, how long that character existed. Yeah. Um, it's 40
2: years next year. Yeah, I saw year. that.
0: And I, I saw a clip of you with the Doug Anthony All-Stars coming down the stairs singing uh, Love is in the Air. And he's fully formed. He's like fully yeah. formed at that point. Yeah, and that's
2: quite early, I'd imagine. It didn't take long. The character was just one of a bunch of characters in in a sketch double act that I was doing, a two hander show with my friend Kathy Armstrong.
0: Right. And yes. um,
2: we were uh, we had met at working at a cafe together after the cabaret group that I was in, the Globos, broke up. I was broke and went and started working in a friend's cafe, and Kathy was there. Uh-huh. And before long, we we were staging a sketch outside on a food fair day and the bob was just the uh interviewer in this sketch right and so i needed a i needed a name because it was sending up entertainment this week you know that american yeah, yeah, yeah. showbiz show mm-hmm. and so and they always do that sign off you know the american reporters you know like, bob <laughs> yeah. down entertainment tonight you know it's like so i needed a name and if i'd had any idea what was going to happen with that character i would have thought of something much more clever but i'm so glad i didn't
0: Oh, it's funny. It's
2: immediately Because it's such a great... And to this day, people say, oh, Bob <laughs> Down, like that. I always say, yeah, with an E, like Liza, yeah. which doesn't see, make it. any sense. I
0: never forgot that. I'd, see, that's the thing. Even when I wrote your name down a couple of weeks ago, I was like, it's an E. It's got, it is an E on the end. Of course it is. And I've remembered that. I've got a
2: friend who's a famous drag queen in, in Sydney mm-hmm. and on the north coast near Byron Bay, and her name is Maud Boat, and it took me about 30 years <laughs> before I got the gang. More That's a good one. Yeah, so what happened was, so Bob was in a yes. double act with Kathy, but once we started doing a full-length show of sketches, mm-hmm. it was Bob that got the reaction. Bob right. got the reaction. The audience led the way with that. And then the guy who's still my manager to this day was running one of the earliest comedy pubs in Sydney, yeah, uh, comedy nights at pubs in the early 80s. And he broke up with his girlfriend who was a regular MC and he needed an MC and we'd known each other for years at that point anyway. And Larry said to me, well, you should do that character. That Bob Down character would be a great solo. And I didn't want to do it because really? he needed a host. Ah. No, I didn't want to do it because I, I really like collaborating. I really like being on stage with people. And you can see from the clips that I've done, that I'm always cooking up an excuse to be on stage with other people because it's my favourite thing to do. But you do it in a sort of like a more and wise way, right? It's a, it's a mm. sort of straight
0: man send up sort of thing that you do, and I, I love yeah. all of that. And that's why it, mm. sort of how again the nostalgia thing, it, even though you weren't in the seventies, it's like a seventies act. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's in, everything in a, in a that way.
2: I. It's a response to everything that I. So I started working at this Harold Park pub. Mm-hmm. I started hosting, and it really went well right from the beginning. And I just decided I was going to sing because the group that I had was a lip sync act. It was recreating all of our pop shows in Australia in the fifties and sixties were all local kids lip-syncing uh, hit records Very because we guy. didn't have video clips. There were no video clips. And so that's how pop shows were done in Australia. And so the Globos, the group that I had, was recreating those all lip-sync yeah. pop shows. So I just decided I was going to start singing, as you do when you're young. I just thought I'm going to start singing those songs that I used to lip-sync, including Yeah Yeah. And... Um, and 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 you can only get away with that shit when you're in your 20s and arrogant enough to think, <laughs> oh, I'm going to sing now. And I taught myself to sing <laughs> doing the act, which is really interesting. That's what I was going to ask because obviously,
0: you know, when you see like in, in a film or someone, someone tries to sing out of tune, it's very hard to sing out of tune. And mm. So for me, watching you... I'm thinking, well, obviously he can really sing. And then you have to do the Bob thing over that. So you have to sort of. That's right. I'm
2: sending up singers who sing badly. And now you're sort of performing as yourself. I've done a lot of singing as myself and have been doing it again recently and loving it and singing material that you would never dream of doing as Bob, singing Sondheim and ballads, you know, serious ballads. And it's such a fun thing. So I'm quite a competent singer now. And once you've got all the techniques down to go from singing songs for laughs. To singing songs for other emotions, it's actually it's really thrilling because mm. it's a whole different set of colours that you're you're exploring and being on stage as yourself too. Because it took me a long time to have the confidence to perform as myself. And again, it was like Larry sort of you know cajoled me into working solo as Bob, and then a, a fabulously uh, legend a legendary TV comedy producer here called Ted Robinson, who was the head of comedy at ABC for many years. He was producing a show called Good Newsweek. It was a contemporary topical panel comedy show. And they had people doing uh, sketch comedy in character. Right. And they asked me to be on the panel and I said, I want to do Bob. And they said, no, 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 we don't. We want you to be you. We want you to do it. As... And I really had to be uh, convinced that it was a good yeah. idea. And it was and that was in about 99. And the reaction right from the start was really, uh, it was really quite fabulous because I was so comfortably out by that stage that I was, I think I'm, I really was one of the first out gay comics to be working on Aussie TV, if not the first. Beep, beep. To be of my generation, it's mm. a very interesting, wonderful thing to watch the, um, the way it's all unfolded and played. I mean, I'm now married. I, mm. I, if you could have told me 30 years ago that I'd been married, yeah, <laughs> I just wouldn't believe you. But the thing is, this, this is what
0: I never understand. I talk to my friends about this all the time. It's like me growing up in the 70s and 80s, the things that I really loved I mean, you you didn't real. I mean, it didn't matter because I'm a kid and who cares anyway. But like a lot of the people I was watching on TV were gay, like Larry Grayson and, and oh my God. the sort of effeminate Everybody. comedy was the thing that was funny. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily sent up either. A, a Frankie Howard. Yeah, Frankie Howard. Kenny Williams. Misses. I mean, it was everywhere, it's, and everybody loved it. it. Absolutely, Even my granddad would laugh his head off at it, and he was That's right. homophobic. That's right. <laughs> so like it was. And you see, around this is when when where, everyone, So yeah. the
2: the minute I got on stage in Edinburgh in 1988, yeah. as I went over and the Dugs organised my first gig yeah. at the Fringe Club. Can you believe yes. it? At the Fringe Club. I know Edinburgh very well. Uh, I yeah. was I I was so scared because mm. of the Fringe Club was such a, a, a like a bear pit, literally. That was in the days that I had that balcony above you. They could pour beer on your head <laughs> from above. And I was so frightened because the act before me had been absolutely bottled off. Right. And Richard had to literally physically push me onto the stage and they all sort of looked, they, 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 the place went absolutely shocked silent Yeah. and I started singing and doing the whole cheesy bit and they went crazy. Brilliant. From the this very first night? moment I was, like one in the morning. Yeah, sort of late in lifetime, yeah. They just went crazy and, and uh, you know, for a number of years when I was with Avalon Management, mm-hmm. I was doing college tours, uh, right. university and colleges, and they, they, they were, uh, to this day I, I see people that, that saw me at colleges in the UK and and I didn't realise how deeply I was plugging into that Bruce Forsyth, Larry Grayson kind of song and dance man thing. Well, it was missing in the 90s, wasn't it? It wasn't around yeah, essentially. but it was still living
0: memory. Yes, and everybody could refer to it, and it was just—it was just in everyone's mm. childhoods. And when you walked on stage, I think it's just a lot of instant goodwill for Bob. There's just yeah. no—I don't. Does yeah. Anyone not like him? I mean, I don't well, think it was, so. Well, it was—it
2: was—it was instant, instant in a way that it wasn't. You know, in a lot of situations in, mm. in cabarets and comedy clubs in Australia, because right. there was—you know—at that point Australia was very homophobic, and the trouble is, it was. I was I was going solo and coming out right in the middle of the worst of the AIDS uh, pandemic and it was right. just such a terrible thing mm. to be uh, gay and skinny and...
0: also oh, people would think that you had... Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, and they wouldn't yeah, shake your all, hand, all, all that like, kind of Including
2: thing. Donny Osmond when I was introduced to him at a TV show. He refused to shake my hand. It was so really? fucking... And I was in trouble with the host who'd introduced us. <laughs> Donny Osmond wasn't in trouble. I had embarrassed right. the host of the show. It, yeah, was t- it was a horrible. T- it, <laughs> t- it, really? it was a horrible time. It fucked him. It was a horror, and you know he was in the middle of his comeback. You know his leather man comeback thing. I mean, wearing leather like <laughs> who's the queen here? <laughs> Sorry.
0: What's your biggest influence musically? Then, can
2: It's show tunes and standards. So people like I grew up in an era where people would sing Broadway numbers and um, sort of uh, syrupy pop tunes, you know, mm-hmm. like um, "You're Just Too Good to Be True," "Can't Take My Eyes yeah. Off You," and yeah. Uh, so variety TV was all local when I was a kid growing up in the sixties. So in Melbourne, there was a, a number of big local variety shows, and, and, I, and just loved anybody that was singing on TV. I was always right into it. And in a very musical household that mum and dad both were in the church choir. And then later on, when they retired, they started a uh, glee club in the town that they retired Annoying. to on the Gippsland Lakes. Um, they'd both done a lot of amateur theatrics. There was a piano in the house. Yes, they, were in the both, they both had very fine singing voices. Mum played, I played piano. So and and we were obsessed with pop music, absolutely obsessed. Yeah. Well, it's with the, the era, Beatles, isn't it? It's the era when everything music. happened. So you
0: know, yeah, it, was. Music it was shows. A, I
2: love that I remember the sixties because it was. I can remember you know running around the schoolyard singing "She Loves You," yeah, yeah, yeah. When it was a hit,
0: I get that. I get the. A friend of mine asked me in Edinburgh. I was working on the fringe actually, and um, somebody said I-, I mentioned that the first album I asked for as a kid was ABBA Super Trooper. Wow. And, um,
2: they Good went, choice. Do you
0: listened to Abba at the time, and it blew their mind. I, I listened to
2: Abba at the time, <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. again, was a lot of people looked down on Abba, but they were the cleverest. <laughs> no, like, great. They were the cleverest pop group since the Beatles. Yeah, every song's got two choruses. I mean, it's amazing, unbelievable. How do they do that? Unbelievable, genius. Yeah. The one thing I didn't get to do. Yeah, I, I didn't get to do go to the O2 show, but I figure it'll still be there when I go. I get back because I really am fascinated to see yeah. how they pull that off. Me too. Well, I've got friends who know who know what they're looking at, and they say it's you've got to see it because it's so extraordinary. Really? Yeah, it's so real.
0: I mean, they could run it for fifty years, couldn't they? I mean, oh,
2: they could do it. absolutely. Transfer
0: it to the Sphere in uh, Los Angeles, and Vegas they don't, and don't have to have even even a day more. off.
2: They don't no. have. To, they don't have to have a day off. Well, the <laughs> band a d-
0: does presumably. <laughs> It's a bit AI, isn't it? But, yeah, it's very cool. Well, the band's
2: live, isn't it? The right. band is yeah. live, which is so weird. You've got live people on stage plus holograms. Yeah. Wow. It must be incredible. I've got to put Bob out as a hologram. I should say Bob's a hologram. <laughs> you can bring him back, like, re, what do they call it, de-age him yeah.
0: and put him, up, put him up in some gig somewhere. Well, it's funny, you know you mentioned the Bond mm. thing. Apparently, the new Bond is going to be set in the 60s and it's going to be a retro Bond. That's great. That is the huge
2: rumour, that you go all the oh, way back. I'm going to ask. So no, he'll know whether that's true or not. And it's it's going to be all stylized, brilliant. 60s. You go. Oh, a brilliant Bob, idea. Bob could do the song. I, oh, God, yes, please. And, you know, the way they can um, make any era come alive now with AI mm-hmm. and with all the, the optics that they've got is just uh, – because the new um, the new Indiana Jones is brilliant. you seen it? No, oh. I haven't. Is it better than the Irishman for DAG? Oh, it is. Oh, wow. No, 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 it's completely convincing with, with Harrison Ford, but the one who's the star and doesn't need any digital alteration is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She yeah, yeah. is like, wowza, that's a movie star. She's a yeah. movie star.
0: I do want to watch it. I have got it's it to watch. It's a
2: fabulous film. Yeah. The effects are breathtaking. Beep, beep. I think I've seen Elton in concert more than any other artist. Really? You know, over, over a 40-year you know, period. And his Glasto Farewell concert was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. One of the greatest performances I've ever seen, and really? so fabulously produced by the BBC. Oh my goodness! Yeah, what a stunning well that. concert. I saw
0: Bowie at Glastonbury in two thousand, and that was wow. That was, that was phenomenal. That was one of the. I never got to gigs. see him
2: live, and we were obsessed with him too when I was a teenager. A lot of friends went. I don't know why I didn't go and see him live. Yeah, sometimes you just forget to go and see people. Like I could, I could have seen Queen, but I didn't. Yeah, and you don't get it together. I could have seen the Carpenters, and I didn't. I love the Carpenters. I was offered tickets to Frank Sinatra when I was 18. Oh, I don't. Pay. And oh, I, was, I could man. have seen Frank and Sammy and Liza in Melbourne except I was working, performing the nights that they were on in Melbourne. But I've seen, I have seen Liza a few times and she is unbelievably great in concert. And the other one who's a, a real influence on Bob and the other one is, who's a huge influence on Bob is Peter Allen who was oh, right. the most incredible concert performer. Wow. High, high energy. I'll tell you who
0: I had tickets for, but it got cancelled. It was around the time I saw your gig in Sydney. Um, it was Jerry, which one is it, who's the comedian? Jerry Lewis is the comedian wow. singer, isn't he? Wow. Yeah, he was playing Sydney in wow. 99. Wow. I had tickets it was, and it got cancelled. I
2: was gutted and yeah. died soon after that. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I don't think you would have seen him at his best. No. <laughs> <laughs> not in The Nutty Professor. Yeah, absolutely not. So that was the music, but there was also a, a household that absolutely adored comedy, Mum and Dad. Loved the Goons. My brother mm-hmm. discovered Monty Python uh, as soon as they went to air. We started collecting all those. And comedy records were such a thing, a huge yeah, thing. Massive. Um, yeah, massive. Barry Humphreys. We had all the Barry Humphreys albums yeah, in, from, in, from the 60s onwards. And we watched uh, Dave Allen. We watched Pete and Dud. We watched uh, Till Deaf Us Do Part. We watched Dad's Army. We watch, you know, it's and a then lot, moving a on to huge amount of British stuff. But see, yeah. the great thing about being yeah. Australian is we've got our own comedy but we also have mm. all the English comedy and we also have all the American comedy. So we're one of the only yes. places that has equal knowledge of American and British humour. And and then That's we've true. got our own, which is such a distinctive yeah, yeah, style yeah. of our own. Yeah, I so love it. So it's a great, great place to come from, great place to grow up. And you grew up in Sydney? Melbourne. In, sorry. I knew that. Sorry, you grew up in the Melbourne. home of comedy. <laughs> Sell someone from the Melbourne home of Australian comedy. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I have only been in Sydney for forty years. All oh, right. But, um, so I can't ask you that question. Which is the best city? Which everyone? They are both in. are fantastic. Is I my think answer they are for both different reasons? I always say, what the hell is wrong with having two great cities only five hundred miles apart in, in a continent the size of the United States? It's it's actually yeah. powers the and, and now Brisbane is uh, culturally in every way Brisbane is is coming up as strong as Melbourne and Sydney. So you've got, and and then Brisbane's only 500 miles north of Sydney. So you've got three great cultural cities, all very different, but all contributing hugely to the culture.
0: I didn't love Brisbane the first time I went to Brisbane, but I went there with a tour. I used to work on theatre shows and we went to QPAC for a bit. And, um, yeah, I really loved it last time, staying in some apartment on Kangaroo Point. Yeah, Kangaroo
2: Point. There was a comedy club there that I used to work at called The Sit-Down in one of those towers on Kangaroo Point. Really? Yeah. Oh sweet It's a, 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 a magical um comedy club that, that is still going. It's now in over in Paddington and it's a and they're a management as well. And I work for them now because they book the cruises that I've been doing. I do P and O cruises now, comedy cruises, and they're fantastic. Right. I need to ask
0: you about mm. this. I need to ask you about this. I've just been on a ferry from Newcastle to Amsterdam, and on those ferries they have a band. Now the boat <laughs> is going fucking mental. <laughs> Right. And we're throwing around. My son is throwing up. I'm sitting there going, "Is this safe?" And there's a band playing. The drummer's going, pff, pff, pff. "Everything's fine." The singers, go, the bass players, like this. It's like they are they are deliberately stationary, and it's like they're not feeling the movement. How do you perform on a stage on a but, boat? You, well,
2: you get good at it. You get good at it because you you sort of it's a matter of just shifting your center of gravity. Like once you get used to Can it, Can you feel it though. Can you oh, feel God, it the whole yeah. time? All oh, the whole time. All oh, right. The whole time. Fortunately, with the comedy cruises, because they don't go to any, they're not going to another port. So all they do mm-hmm. is they go out of Sydney or Brisbane or Melbourne yeah. and they'll go up or and or down the coast depending on where the good weather is. You've never done it in choppy seas? Oh, yeah. It's always rough between Australia and New Zealand, always very rough. It's one of the roughest water. Oh, so you've done it all the way across? Yeah, frequently. Oh, right. And that can be wow. really wild. Sometimes they actually <laughs> have to cancel the shows, but you get used to it. All right. You know, if it's rough, the whole theatre is moving around and shaking and, and swaying and whatever. And it actually, when you're doing a comedy show, it actually really adds to the madness of the situation. It actually makes everybody quite giddy. It actually really <laughs> helps yeah. a comedy show. Not so much fun for dancers or anybody that's doing any juggling Giant. or balancing. It's not good. Have you seen a comedy murder mystery drama called Deadlock. I have not. Oh, write it down. So dead lock as in loch as in lake. Okay. Oh, it is one of the greatest Australian it, it is so funny. It's so wild and so scary. It's it's I love it when things are scary and funny. Oh, and it's I'll extremely entertaining. It's a brilliant okay. series, a really brilliant series. Uh, and then, of course, um, what i uh, the thing that has broken through in the in the UK and all around the world is Kath and Kim, and I yes. am so proud to be part of it. I'm in each of the series, I'm in the telemovie, and I'm in the movie. Yeah, that was a great and show. And I never know when I'm going to show up. It's always so delightful.
0: Will they ever make any more? Uh, no,
2: I don't think so. They did a, an anniversary special where they did some new sketches. Yeah. Um, I think that's up on Netflix now. And there's a really lovely montage of some of my best moments in it, which is a gift from Gina and Jane. Because you know we all go back to the Cabaret circuit in Melbourne in the late '70s, and we were at a young people's theatre company together. That's how it all. Wow. That's where. That's the connection. So we've all been mates since we were 18 and 19. That's crazy. Did you ever see the American remake of that? Terrible. What did you think? I was of actually that? in San there Francisco <laughs> when it, I was in San Francisco when it went to air. Gosh. Absolutely appalling. Well, the thing is, the girls had no control over what they did with the script, or the, with the casting, or with yeah. uh, you know, like it was so badly done, and the girls just despaired. Great actors, but just so shiny. Yeah, yeah, it didn't even look the same. It
0: wasn't yes. funny. Who played Magda's character? Well,
2: um, they did. There wasn't a best friend. There wasn't a be, there, there wasn't, wasn't a, a, a second oh, wow. best friend. Oh, that's why I can't remember. It was it. so insane. Yeah. That It was so yeah. bad. And Molly Shannon refused to do um, the catchphrases, the nice, different, unusual. So they sort of drained it of all its lifeblood.
0: Yeah, it's weird when you see that. Like I've seen, um, I love the, do you know Red Dwarf? You probably know Red mm, Dwarf. Yeah, massive when you were in the 90s. And I started re-watching that with my son. And there is an American pilot and it's word for word. I've seen it on YouTube. It's very hazy. But it's just these very... Beautiful actors saying all the same lines but without any comedy attached. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing to watch. It's like, but it's the same script. Why isn't it funny? Yeah. And the only person who's in there is Robert Llewellyn playing Crichton. He's still in it. How weird. Going, you know? But where do all the toasters
2: go? And that's the only funny line. I never knew they made an American version. That's amazing. They tried to twice apparently. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Didn't they give up on Ab Fab? Because, you know, they, they couldn't do drugs and they couldn't drink. This was like oh, is that true? <laughs> they couldn't smoke, do drugs, or drink. So w- once you take all that out, you've got. I don't, yeah. I don't think you've even got a trailer. Once you take that all of that out <laughs> of that.
0: no, it's of its time and it's of its place. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to leave it alone.
2: You know, And this is where I am so grateful that because Bob's retro to begin with, he's never gone out of date. How lucky am I? <laughs>
0: Obviously you can hide because you you don't walk around dressed as Bob, but when you are dressed as him and you're in the UK in the, if I don't want to say it like, like it's not now, but like in the nineties UK, really big heyday when Bob was massive here. Um, how did, how did that feel? Like, how did it feel to be that famous, that well-known? Well,
2: these things, I remember, you know, years ago, I remember seeing an interview with John Lennon where he said, it's like a boiling frog, but in a good way. I remember John Lennon saying, well, at first you're the most popular band in Liverpool, then you're the most popular band in the North West, then you're the most popular band in England, then you're the most popular band in Britain, then you break in America. And so you, you get, you, it happens so gradually that you, you sort of almost don't notice it. And then Mm. I remember one day my best friend Dean was staying with me in London in the summer in the mid-90s and we were walking down Oxford Street and it was absolutely high summer day. The streets were packed. The traffic was virtually stationary and Dean went really quiet and I said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he went. He said, every single person that we go as going past us is recognising you, including people upstairs on buses, he said. <laughs> and I honestly hadn't noticed really. I hadn't noticed it. No. Isn't that wild?
0: That is I wild. remember
2: that so vividly. Does it feel good? It, it does feel good. Well, it feels good when it's pointed out to you. That's for sure. And because mm. you get to the point where you're not really looking, because you know when you're first doing television, you are looking to see who who, who recognizes me, who recognizes me, and um, mm. and then of course when when you're at this, this point now in my late career where I'm not get don't get recognized much at all, you do start looking for it again. <laughs> oh, <No>, really. <laughs> go out in the wig. Yeah, go out in the wig. Um, it's funny. So it, it happens slowly on the way up, and it happens slowly on the way down, on, down the other side, and you get quite um, you get quite blasé about it. The great thing about being a comic is you're not mobbed. It's not like you're a pop star or a, or a heartthrob from a soap. Yeah, it doesn't have a sexual element to it unless you're really going for it, like certain people that we won't mention with long hair. <laughs> I know who you're um, talking. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. so, you know, who really needs to think about changing his look because he now looks like Charles Manson, which (laughs) is most unfortunate. And um, (laughs) so there's very, you know, we all know there's a handful of sort of sexy comics and they're always boys and they're always straight boys. I can't think of a female comedian who relies on her sexual appeal as the key to the success of the act. So the great thing about being a famous comic is that it's not you're not mobbed you never mobbed and thank God for that is all I can say. (laughs) And so being a famous comedian is actually, it's a very pleasant thing. And then being a famous gay comedian is even nicer because you get these people coming up who tell you that it made, when they saw me live on TV from Edinburgh when they were a teenager, it made them feel like everything was going to be okay about being gay because Bob sort of um, projects a a level of strength in his gayness. Even though he's taking the... Mickey out of himself, hmm. he's in charge, very much in charge yeah. you know, of the situation.
0: I mean, I just found you funny. I don't think I even clicked even straight away. I wouldn't have gone, oh, he's a gay guy doing a thing. I mean, mm. I would have got, I got the, the sort of innuendo jokes and stuff straight away. Mm. But that, that wasn't what I clicked into. I clicked into mm. the physical comedy and the quips, the very fast one-liners that you would just throw out. It's just almost like in any interview, just so fast. Like it's very, very mm. rare oh, I, to I find love, a
2: comedian who I can do both of those. Things. And I've never, I've never been given enough opportunity to be on those kind of QI stu- type mm. panel shows. The odd time that I've done panel shows, I've done really well on them. The yeah. one that I used to do regularly in the UK was that showbiz, which I really loved doing. And I've got a photograph of me on set. Um, have just made a joke, and June Whitfield is killing herself laughing <laughs> at something Whitfield. that I've just said. I love these. And references. I'm someone I treasure that. I treasure that. I absolutely treasure <laughs> that. Must be great, yeah. You're making your your heroes, your comedy heroes. Laugh. Oh my god, there's nothing better. Beep, beep. Um, hanging out with Barry Cryer was just—he was the most beautiful, friendly, sweet man, and funny as a fit. And and it was just at the time, must have been the early 2000s when you couldn't smoke inside anymore, oh, and right. so he'd he'd have to, and he was a terrible smoker, <laughs> and so he'd have to get up constantly to leave the bar to go out, and, he, and but he'd always announce it, and he'd always say. I'm just stepping outside for a breath of fresh air. A, <laughs> Is this the loft That was bar? his way of going for a fag, yeah. From the we'll loft onto the balcony. That was my second ever gig <laughs> in Edinburgh. When I went there, Richard had organised the gig at the Fringe Club mm-hmm. and on the last night of the festival was a gig at the Gilded Balloon down in the Cowgate. Yeah. And there were a whole lot of other Australians there in, in which I wasn't considered good enough to join a government-sponsored bicentenary comedian's mm-hmm. Gang, mm-hmm. but my mum and dad were so outraged that they gave me the airfare, and I went and blew them all out of the water, and ended up working <laughs> every single night of the, of the fringe. That was in 1988. God, I was proud of that. Is that your first year you did? Yeah, it? and I started doing television straight away. So it was, was meteorizing.
0: The rise is fast, and
2: it was it was so, and it was unreal because I I'd, I'd sort of taken a while to to claw my way up in Australia because there was so much more. Uh, outright homophobia in Australia in the media business in the mid-80s. And um, so it was a lot harder to to get gigs and to break through, particularly on television, But although there were a couple of TV shows that were very, very generous towards me. Andrew Denton was really kind and put me in a lot of his shows. He was a sort of a a thinking man's Graham Norton, I suppose is how you put it, except he's straight. And he's um, a wonderful guy. And he gave me regular gigs. So when it took off, look, the way it took off in the UK, so instantaneously, it was actually surreal. It was actually didn't I, I couldn't, I could barely handle it because it was so surprising to me. Because I just thought, "Look, well, we'll go over and we'll see how it goes." Yeah. And within within about uh, eighteen months, I was living in London. That's wild. I mean, that's what people it go there wonderful. to do now.
0: That's the dream. But you actually
2: achieved it. I lived it. You lived it. I lived it. shows that i think bob should host which i would love to bring back here has it hasn't been on air here for years is blankety blank Blankety it's blank perfect vehicle, that would be a perfect vehicle. perfect vehicle for bob yeah but the thing about yeah. Blankety blank is that you get all your comedian and actor and showbiz mates put them on that yeah. six of them on the panel and just have such a laugh with them i mean that's just my idea of heaven Oh, you can make that happen, can't you? You should do that. That would be great. I know. I'd love to do it. You
0: get yourself a Terry, one of those Terry Wogan mics, tiny little stick with it. Yeah, them. yeah.
2: I'm, I'm, I think I'm too old for HD. HD came along oh, at a very yeah. unfortunate time for for some of us.
0: <laughs> Have you done that? What's that show? Uh, someone I know, Dane Simpson, that comedian, he was on it recently, told me. Um, oh, yeah. Thank God you're thank here.
2: Thank God you're here. Have you done that? Bobby, no, I haven't Bobby. done it. I'd love so to do funny it. funny on that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do it. Nobody wants me to go on any of those shows. They don't want me to go on any of them. Why not? I reckon it's because they're scared. I reckon it's because they're scared of me because I'm going to blow them all out of the water. I think you're probably I'm right. I'm sure. I can't think what else it would be. Why don't they let me on those panel shows? You should be on all There's of them. There's a couple of pop music panel shows that have run here for decades hmm. and I never get a chance to go on them. You should come over here and do Buzzcocks. It's back on. I it should, should not. Yeah, yeah. No, I should come back because I, I was thinking it'd be really great to bring a 40th anniversary show. Oh, it'd be, be brilliant. Br- well, come to Edinburgh next year. I reckon I don't. I don't know whether I'd bother with the festivals. Because I never, you never, when you're older, you, you know, there's the Faye Presto and um, Earl Oaken effect. You, you um, become a, a sort of, if, you, if you're if you too old and you've done it too much, because I did 18 Edinburgh festivals. Wow. 18. That's a lot of Edinburgh. And from 1988 <laughs> to about 2015, 2016. And, and you, what happens is you're only being reviewed, and same in Melbourne and same at Adelaide Fringe, Melbourne Comedy Festival and Adelaide Fringe, you're being reviewed by... 21-year-olds who just think you're an old fart. Right. And it's festivals of the young people because I reckon I don't really need to do the festivals because I re- I, at the moment I don't do, I haven't done the festivals anywhere for years. Hmm. I think they're for young people. And I, I, I'd just love to come to Edinburgh and do a show outside of festival time. Yeah, just do the big theatre. How wonderful would that be? Yeah, it yeah. yeah, be yeah. awesome. Do, just do, do. do a, a UK tour.
0: You should do a UK tour. Come to Newcastle. I'll talk
2: to Ed. <laughs> I'd love to, oh my God, would I love to come back to Newcastle, take, back to Leeds, to the city varieties. Oh my God, back to the Neptune in Liverpool. I think you're, just, you're talking oh. yourself oh. into a tour here, Mark. I am. I just, <laughs> and you know, one of my favorite, you know, one of your things that you ask people is their guilty pleasure. They're, my favorite guilty pleasure is UK Gogglebox because it reminds Mine? me of being on tour in the UK. All right. Everybody is so lovely and so funny right across the length and breadth of the British Isles, all the way up, and it is, uh, it's is—it's magical to entertain them and, and then to chat with them afterwards. Everybody is so funny and witty. I love it. It's a sarcastic you island. You just have to read the comments. <laughs> you just have to read the comments and threads in The Guardian. Yeah. I laugh my head off. <laughs> it's a comedy sketch.
0: I will ask you some uh, can I do a couple of questions? We've almost hit yeah, the Yeah, let's so I, don't do want, I don't want to keep you for too long, but I'll, yeah. I'll ask you a couple of, I mean, you've said a lot already, so a lot of this will be in there, but I'll, I will ask you this one anyway because you have actually sort of brought it up, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask it formally. Okay, so so Mark, Gunter Head, what reality
2: show could you actually stand to go I'd on? I'd love to do a reality show. This is what I always say. People are constantly asking me, why haven't I been in a reality show? And I always say I would love to be in a reality show, it, but I'm working. Mm. The, the stupidest reality shows are um, the cooking ones, in my opinion. Yeah, cooking shouldn't be stressful or a competition. Cooking should be a relaxation, which it is for me. Yeah, and the idea that you're under pressure of time or competing with other people is so patently absurd. Yes, that it just and I know how huge they are, and I know what a tiny pathetic. Voice in the wilderness. I am. No, hating, I, I agree with but you, but I hate them. I, I don't get it. Married at first sight was another one that really used to offend me. The Australian before one before we got before we got marriage equality, because I mean, really. Well, give they me did. A break. They
0: did put a lesbian couple on it once, but they were absolutely vicious to each other, and and then they didn't do it again. And I was like, well, you can get another one, you know. I think New Zealand had, New Zealand uh, maths had a gay couple because it was actually legal right. there, wasn't it,
2: before. Yeah, it was. So yeah, yeah. I
0: think that's why they started filming some stuff over but, there.
2: But I hate reality TV. It's, it's basically television found a way not to have to use professional performers mm. and, and by using amateurs they can um, abuse them and manipulate them <laughs> and use all that military psychology, break them down to build them back up and throw them on a pile at the end. It's revolting. Yeah. It's ethically unsound in a deeply, and even the the term reality mm-hmm. is so Orwellian used in this context. You're not wrong, so I'm not thrilled with the reality TV. And as I say, I'm working. I'm too busy. Yeah, yeah. So you I'm can't sorry. go on the celebrity like, I, just, I just had to turn down Taskmasters. Yeah. I just had to turn well, you've down Taskmasters. Go. Yes, that's got to. Because I was working. Yeah, yeah. I was working. <laughs> what can I say? I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Rolf Harris one was actually the one that disturbed me probably more than any of them because oh, obviously I watched him on telly as a kid and I remember yeah. in 2000 running into a tent at Glastonbury to see him play Stairway to Heaven because maybe he had a little weird
2: pop career in the late 90s. It was very He odd. did. And, and I, I could have been on that album except I sang my version live in the studio. I didn't, oh, I didn't right. record it. I, that should have been my hit, not <laughs> fucking Rolf Harris. Rolf Harris. I did mine like um, a Bacharach. Yes,
0: Backrack, of really course, cute. yes, yeah, I can see yeah. that.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. on YouTube. It's on one of the shows I was telling you about with Andrew Denton. It was one of his shows, a very clever Tonight Show format that that he developed in the '80s, and and I did my some of my very first TV on his show and singing like a '60s Vegas spruiner style.
0: So that's what people do now online. That's what they do on TikTok. They get a song. They got like a, they use AI to sort of make Johnny Cash sing a Taylor Swift song and stuff like wow. that. Wow. I mean, there's there's some mad ones I can send you. Wow. It's literally like, I'm not Johnny Cash. And then Johnny Cash sings her song and there's no people playing. And there's, it, it, I don't understand. Wow! Can we do one more? Yeah. Yeah. Or one or two. Oh,
2: as many as you want. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, cool. This is the thing, right? See, I'm looking at all your clips today and yesterday and the day before. And usually, even if I'm doing research through a guest that I know and love, I won't watch everything, but I couldn't stop watching yours. Like every single one of them, I watched them to the end and I honestly was laughing all the way through. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. What is the funniest thing you ever saw on television?
2: Oh, the funniest thing I've ever seen on television and watching it with my late father who really, as I said, loved the goons, Pete and Dud and all of that, is Lily Savage's Shanghai Lily sketch from the BBC Lily Savage show with Michael Ball and a whole (laughs) lot of really well-known television personalities lined up along the bar and the whole... And Lily as Shanghai Lily where she appears through the beaded curtain and it it, it is just one of the greatest musical comedy sketches ever put on screen and I thought my father was going to have a heart attack. He was laughing. Really? He was hysterical. (laughs) He lost his shit and for... And I just love that. And he loved the, he loved meeting because they got, mum and dad got to meet Paul O'Grady because mm-hmm. we toured Australia together in '92. Everybody who met Sav loved him, including my family. It was a real breakthrough thing for me, to, for dad accepting um, the, the whole gay thing. Yeah. It is the funniest sketch I reckon as Sav ever made. It's up there with our Torval and Dean Ice Ballet, I have to say. <laughs> Torval and Dean Ice Ballet. <laughs> have you seen me and Lily do that? I have not, but I have to because
0: because I've actually worked with and Dean on a pantomime, so I should probably. Well, then that. you need
2: to see our, you need to see us pretending to skate like and Dean. I will do that. Um, so that's that to me is is my favourite sketch TV thing of all time because of the effect it had on my dad that's and just sweet. the fact that it's so stunningly good.
0: What's the TV show that made you cry?
2: Oh, when we were kids, uh, there was a television series of Lassie. Yeah. Did you have that yeah, in the yeah, UK? Yeah, yeah. And there was another one that we really loved. The littlest hobo, the littlest hobo, yeah, the littlest hobo. Do you have that? <laughs> yeah, the, the that dog that British went town to town, like Bruce Yeah, Banner. he's in Alsace, <laughs> traveling around from <laughs> yeah. town to town. Sometimes I think I'll settle down, and you, every time that the people he'd he'd meet up with the new family, and they'd fall in love with him, and then he'd just leave again. And we always used to cry with the kids that were crying as he as he ran off into the sunset. There was yeah, any animal shows, animal shows. I think as a kid, any idea of your pet getting lost or, or, or is is the thing that would get you, Totally. It? Oh, my God, pets dying and pets going missing. Yeah, totally. See, I never had a dog until I was 57. I never walked a dog until I was 57 and met my hub. How is the getting up? Oh, well, he, the- get, he gets up early. Oh, so he, he does He gets it. up early <laughs> and I do the middle of the day and the late night.
0: Yeah, because my kids are like, we must get a dog. And I'm thinking, but you're all getting older now where I don't need to get up so early. The last thing I want Uh, is to then get another thing that makes me get up in the morning at some early hour to take a dog out for a shit. And I don't want to touch feces that isn't related to me. Is that weird? (laughs) You don't even particularly want to touch that eye? No, not really, not particularly. (laughs) I've had to. I've been knee deep in that often.
2: Oh, my goodness (laughs) me. There was another guilty pleasure that sometimes I they have because we've got all those extra digital channels here and they yeah. just play fucking rubbish all day. Yeah. All the three main networks have got about three or four subsidiary channels that they just play, replay old crap. And every afternoon they play two or three in, uh, sons and daughters in a row. Sons and, daughters. and I sit there with my friend, Richie, Cindy Pastel, that Priscilla is based on. He's the actual real Priscilla. His son is now 40. And we sit there watching these early 80s episodes of Sons and Daughters and so many people we know are in them from from all our years in the biz. It is cry with laughter funny, just hysterically bad.
0: That was probably one of the first afternoon soaps I remember being on. But I've got a a friend. Do you know the actor Robert Morgan, Australian actor? Yeah. I'm friends with him and the most beautiful woman he's ever seen is apparently the lead in that show the blonde-haired one. Sons and Daughters? Yeah, what's her name? Sons and Daughters. What's her name, the blonde one Was woman. she the
2: villain? She was, was kind she of the nasty,
0: villain? yeah. I remember her being kind of nasty. Yeah. Oh,
2: Pat the Rat. That, Rowena Wallace. That's it. That's the name. Rowena yeah.
0: Wallace. Yeah, yeah. yeah Pat she, the Rat. When she was younger, apparently she was the most beautiful woman in Australia. That's all I've been told. Um, I remember <laughs> around that time, I'm going to move on, uh, was uh, Prisoner Cell Block H because over here, when I, oh, yeah. when I left school, we got night television for the first time yeah. like you know because it was always like the queen and it went off and that was it like 11 o'clock at night and then suddenly there was this yeah. thing called Night Network and it was on for, for from 11 till like 6am and it was uh-huh. perfect for me mid uh, 1986, 1987 and I'd just left home just left school and it was like oh perfect now I can do what I want I'm going to stay up all night and watch yeah. this shit
2: and I'd watch Roller's <laughs> Yeah, roll a spliff. You've got to be stoned. No, I wasn't really I, I wasn't drinking,
0: I wasn't doing any of that. I was just um, Oh my god, I'm, you were just up late. Just yeah, I was just up late. Wow. <laughs> I was cooking potatoes in a microwave and watching prison subjects. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I found alcohol until at least a year later. And having <laughs> PG tips to keep you up. PG tips. No, I remember trying to make popcorn and not putting the lid on. Because again, like there were no cooking shows when I was kids, so you didn't know how to make anything. So you just leave home. You go, oh, popcorn in a pan, false roof full of popcorn. <laughs>
2: First thing I tried to cook. That's hysterical. Absolutely. So yes, Prisoner Cell Block H is pretty <laughs> fabulous. Pretty
0: fabulous. The moving walls. Every time someone touches something, a bit of the set. Oh my shake. god, that's
2: what. Son- that's the thing that makes us laugh watching sons and daughters. The set. <laughs> oh Jesus, the set. Is that a oh, real house? Lord. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh man, wonderful. Beep,
0: beep. What invention? from television would you like to bring to life? Oh, the teleporter. Teleporter.
2: The teleporter. I have just flown 27, (laughs) 28 hours to get from London (laughs) back home to Sydney. And I've been sick for three days as a result of the flight. I would give anything for a teleporter. That's what you'd use it for, just for travel. But as long as I put me back together with both my correct shoes. Yes. Because it could get very embarrassing. If there's a glitch... You could be like one of those books, you know, the top half and the bottom half are different. I could appear I perfectly all right on the top half, but have centaur legs, couldn't I? Well you could have Bob's wig with you, and then when you get out the other end, it's actually your hair for real. Oh my god. I, I can't get it and I can't take it off. <laughs> yeah, you actually oh, that, Yeah, maybe I don't maybe I don't <laughs> want a teleporter. Maybe I don't want to so maybe I want to i want to just get on a plane.
0: Well I think that's what's funny about that sort of nineties period as well, especially over here where the comedy acts would would I mean it happened with Bjorn again? It happened with um, whoever that guy was that did the Oasis songs in a kind of a background yeah. way. It, it, the comedy song actually became a proper hit in its own yeah. right, and it wasn't. And, it, yeah. and Vic Reeves. I mean, there was a lot of it. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it wasn't. Wasn't perceived in the same way as like a like a like a novelty record.
2: So it wasn't like you know, right, said Fred. No, it was, threat, legit. You know, like, it was a legit. Yeah, it was legit. Yeah, like yeah.
0: People liked it for what it was, uh,
2: disassociated
0: yeah. from the comedy, and I think that was something yeah. that you basically you know championed yeah. and, and achieved and had. That's hits why I'm still doing,
2: it. and it's why I'm still doing it because why wouldn't I want to keep going, making a living singing all my favorite songs from when I was a kid? It's just I can't believe it. I'm so
0: thrilled. I don't think people need to retire if they're creative, right, because you can't not do that. That's the
2: great thing about being a comedian. Yeah. If you're still funny, you'll always be funny. If you if you don't curdle, because a lot of comedians curdle mm. when they get old and they get nasty and right wing yeah. and disappear <laughs> into their own bubble. Yeah. But as long as you don't curdle, you, you'll always work as a comedian right until you drop. Tommy Cooper, Tommy Cooper. Boom. London Who Palladium. could beat that? Yeah. That's yep. the way to go, yeah. Who could beat it? And as brilliant as he always was. Well, that's a perfect, perfect ending, Mark.
0: Are we going to get 10 seconds of Bob? Oh, or... Will I
2: introduce it? Yeah, do you want to do... As a... Bob? Yeah, do you want to do yeah. an introduction, Mark? Mm. Yeah, okay.
1: And here he is, Mr Bob Down.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even... It's funny, you know, because I don't even speak French and neither does Julian Clary, but that didn't stop us from making a cover of the Serge Gainsbourg Jane Birkin classic Je t'aime, mon emploi, and je...
1: Entre mes oh, I don't speak French, I'm afraid. Et tu vas Et j'ai terrain, tu oh, let Je t'aime, je t'aime. Oui, je t'aime. wave that does not pray. Again. Oh, it's your Thanks very much. Afraid I don't feel quite the same about you. Oh, Love that is physical and sensuous. Basically, just a quick shack, because I, I move back and forth. It's an animal kind of instinct, I think. Inside you. Yes, I move back and forth. myself. Merci beaucoup. Well, thanks very so much. Good luck to you and your family. Bon appétit. Sipping myself up, really. I don't think so, Mr. Bob Down. <sighs> you got any cleanings after I use the pillow?
0: <laughs> Thank you, Mark. That's brilliant. Yeah.
2: Thank you for coming on television. I put a bit. I put a bit of, I, I of Daryl in there too. He was a sort of a cross between Daryl and Bob. I loved it. Loved it. No, right, Mark,
0: it was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. For that was on lovely. The podcast. I had a really good time. That was
2: very pleasant. Right. Leah loved it. Thanks, Mark. See you All soon. the best. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>